Empire. Hello, welcome to another edition of Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Corey Joel, that's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And you can also read my work at um, CBSSports.com and my regular column called An Agent's Take, um, mostly on NFL contracts and the salary cap. Um, this episode, we're going to address a couple of topics. One is Aaron Rodgers and his future with the Green Bay Packers. Also, take a look at Jalen Ramsey's contract situation. Um, Let's turn our attention first to Aaron Rodgers, which was a topic that um, had been uh, pretty much put in the rearview mirror after the draft was resurrected last week because of him doing an interview with uh, Kyle Brandt for The Ringer. On, on, on a podcast. Um, Green Bay went 13-3 last year, uh, made it to the NFC Championship game. Everyone expected the Packers, at least conventional wisdom was, the Packers would take a wide receiver in the first round because this is probably the deepest wide receiver draft in years. So towards the bottom of the first round, you're getting a guy that in most years might be a top 15 pick because it was that deep of a draft for receivers. Um, Packers traded up to get the quarterback of the future, um, Jordan Love. Now, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. That One, the Packers' only real addition wide receiver, Devin Funches, has decided to opt out because of COVID-19. So if you're talking about a team that potentially looks like they might have Super Bowl aspirations, Going out and getting your future quarterback when your current quarterback is reiterated on numerous occasions, he planned on playing well into his 40s, <laughs> something's going to have to give. Now, um, Rodgers signed a four-year, $34 million contract extension in 2018. He had two years left on his contract. At $33.5 million per year, it made him the highest paid player in the league. So he's under contract through 2023. Now, Jordan Love, with his uh, rookie deal, all draft pick deals are four years. So he ends up getting a four-year rookie deal, which also runs through 2023, which is for $12.383 million, and all four years are fully guaranteed. So the contracts don't match up very well. Uh, for Green Bay, for Green Bay, they both expire after the 2023 season, and now you have a phenomenon which didn't exist when Aaron Rodgers was drafted. Um, Rodgers sat for three years; <laughs> he didn't play, um, and he fell to 24th. He wasn't a situation where Green Bay traded up because he was in the conversation to go number one overall, but San Francisco took uh, Alex Smith instead. You don't sit first-round quarterbacks for three years anymore. What uh, Kansas City did with Patrick Mahomes is unheard of. He basically redshirted his rookie year. He started the final regular season game that season um, in 2017. 
because uh, Kansas State already clinched their playoff position, so they wanted to see him play. But you don't sit guys for three years. You you rarely sit them for one. <laughs> so uh, probably the only way Love plays this year is through injury um, because Green Bay expects to be good this year, uh, whether they can keep their stranglehold on the division like last year. Uh, remains to be seen. Um, so, Rodgers' future is probably going to be someplace else. Uh, Rodgers probably doesn't end his career in Green Bay. Um, we've seen that happen <laughs> numerous occasions recently. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time by a lot of people, he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer this year. Uh, Peyton Manning had to go elsewhere to finish his career. Wasn't with the Colts. Ended up um, finishing with Denver. So when is Aaron Rodgers realistically going to exit Green Bay? Um, the better the Packers do this year, uh, the less likely they're going to trade him next year, um, unless he tries to force his way out, or Green Bay or Green Bay gets an offer from somebody else they can't they can't be refused. The way his contract is structured, um, he's got a six point eight million dollar third day of the league year roster bonus for twenty twenty one, which will be. I don't know, March 15th, 18th, 20th, whatever it is. So if they're going to trade him in 2021, they're probably going to do it before the roster bonus becomes due because then that's an obligation for them um, cap-wise. Green Bay also didn't do themselves any favors for um, trading him next year by restructuring his contract um, towards the end of 2019 season in order to pick up cap room for this year, 2020. $14.26 million of Rodgers' $21.55 million salary for this year was converted to signing bonus. That gets prorated because they did it before the end of last season through 2019 through 23. His, he had a cap number of just a little over $33 million um, initially. It dropped uh, about $11.4 million to $21.642 million. And his 21 through 2023 cap numbers increased by 2.852 million. So uh, that doesn't help from the trade standpoint because they added more proration into the deal. So if they trade him, and when you trade someone, and at the timing they would have to trade him before the roster bonus, all the um, signing bonus and the restructure signing bonus proration hits the cap in 2021. So those future years, that becomes a cap charge or what we call dead money which is a salary cap charge for a player no longer on the roster. Now, because of the restructure, uh, Rodgers has a cap number next year of $36.352 million. $36.352 million is the third highest cap number in the NFL. So if you trade Rodgers in time so you don't have to deal with having the uh, $6.8 million roster bonus also on your cap... <laughs> The Packers are going to have a $31.556 million cap charge on the deal, uh, on, on their books, even though he's not there if they trade him. So you, you're picking up $4.796 million of cap space with a trade before the fifth day of the league year uh, next year. From a cap standpoint, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to trade him next year unless – Someone's going to just blow you away with an offer, or he's like, look, I'm out. You need to trade me, and he's sticking a gun to your head to do it. Good thing is they did it. His $39.852 million 22 uh, cap number 
and his 28.352 million 23 cap number would come off the books. So that's cap room you would gain. But it just doesn't really seem all that feasible from a cap standpoint next year to have that type of dead money. Because for one specific player, you've never had a cap charge remotely close to the little over $31.5 million you would have if you traded him last year, next year. The largest individual cap charge or dead money for a player in any league year is happening right now. It's with the Rams. The Rams have a $21.8 million cap charge uh, for trading Brandon Cooks from, to the uh, Texans uh, before the NFL draft in April. So it just doesn't make sense economically if you look at the big the picture cap-wise to trade Aaron Rodgers next year. Now, if they hadn't done the restructure and they found another way to get the $11.4 million of cap room um, instead of doing his restructure, yeah, it would have made more sense. Because then you would have picked up $9.6 million of cap room, and you would have had um, $23 million in dead money. Um, the real year where I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded is 2022, for a couple of reasons. One, it's going to be better for him cap-wise. Uh, you get rid of his $39.852 million um, cap hit, which is also the third largest right now in the books for someone in 2022. Um, you would pick up $22.468 million in cap room that way. There'd be $17.204 million of dead money. So that makes more sense from a salary cap standpoint. And you still have his $28.352 million uh, 23 uh, cap number, 2023 cap number, go to the new team. Um, well, off, off your books. So they pick up the rest. Of, not They don't get the whole cap number. They get the salary left for 2023. Thing is... With a first-round quarterback, knowing that um, 2023 is the final year of the four years, you have the fifth-year option, you kind of need to know in 2022 what you have with um, Jordan Love because the time to exercise the option is after the third year. 2022 would be Jordan Love's third year. So would you pick up a fifth year uh, for Jordan Love if Aaron Rodgers played through 2022, <laughs> that'd be kind of hard to do, <laughs> uh, not knowing what you had with the guy because the option year becomes uh, guaranteed now under the new CBA when you pick it up. So you really need to know, have him play at least that one year, 2022. So come um, 2023, and you have from the end of the 2022 regular season until May 3rd, in 2023, that's the window to exercise the fifth-year option is after the third year. So you're going to have to have them play. Uh, you would think in 2022 to know whether you want to pick up the uh, fifth-year option. Unless there's some situation where he ends up playing enough in 2020 or 2021 where you would know, uh, have an idea of what you have in Jordan Love from putting him on the field in actual real game action. Because you're not even getting a preseason this year to get a chance to look at him. To know, well, we can start him, uh, play him a lot in the preseason and figure it out. You don't even have that luxury this year because there aren't any preseason games. Now, what would be left on Aaron Rodgers' contract at this point in time? Um, he'd be 38 when you traded him. You'd have two years for $51 million, which uh, for a starting quarterback would be pretty affordable. So that's averaging $25.5 million per year for 2022 and 2023. Now, to put that in perspective, Tom Brady, who's 43 now, 
uh, just turned 43 earlier this week. Signed a fully guaranteed two-year, $50 million deal, which can max out at $59 million through incentives in free agency this year at the Bucks. So we're talking five-year age difference, um, what would be two years later, and you'd have $51 million left on the deal, which the new team would have to take on their books, uh, versus um, Tom Brady uh, now at $50 million. So <laughs> um, Aaron Rodgers, unless Green Bay... Is super competitive, wins a Super Bowl um, this year, next year. Let's say they win a Super Bowl in 2021. It's, it's going to be hard to trade them at that point in time. You probably want to run it back. Um, but the interesting thing now to me is that um, Aaron Rodgers has a lot, should have a lot more empathy for what uh, Brett Favre was going through when he was drafted to replace Favre back in 2004. Favre was clamoring for more help so they could uh, make another Super Bowl run. <laughs> Didn't handle the whole quarterback having his heir apparent. Um, they're better. So Favre's also going to be, I mean, uh, Rodgers will be more sensitive to how Love feels having been in those shoes. But there are also some differences in those two situations as well. That Favre every year had been talking about retiring, so it was his annual dance that everyone had gotten um, a little tired of. You're kind of hedging your bets on a guy who drops. But odds are Aaron Rodgers will not spend his entire career with one team, is going to have to finish it playing someplace else. Very rarely do you see an NFL player go start to finish with one team. I doubt Aaron Rodgers will be a guy who does that. Okay, let's turn our attention to uh, Jalen Ramsey. We're now seeing that NFL teams are starting to sign their core players to new contracts. Since there's some clarity on 2021, we now know that there is going to be a salary cap floor of $175 million next year. The cap's going to drop uh, significantly, but at least we know what the floor is going to be, and you're not going to have a cap that's like $130, $140 million. Um, Jalen Ramsey, someone the Rams gave up two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick as last year's trading deadline was nearing um, to bring him into the fold. Uh, When you don't get a contract done and you give it that much compensation um, at the time of the trade, you hand the player a ton of leverage. Uh, Ramsey is being a lot more patient in terms of getting a contract with the Rams than he was this time last year because he was pushing the Jaguars um, to try to do a deal, and they resisted. Things kind of fell apart um, early in the season, and ultimately he was traded. And we've seen with um, one Amari Cooper, if you wait and you give up a ton of compensation for a player, you give him you give him leverage. Uh, Dallas didn't get a deal done of Cooper. He played out his rookie contract, hit the open market. Not a great structure for the contract, but he's the second highest paid receiver in the league at twenty million per year. The real reason to be concerned is what happened with Larry Matunzel. Um More compensation than what Ramsey went for in Tunsil's trade uh, right before the regular season last year from Miami to Houston. They end up making him the highest paid uh, offensive line in NFL history by a wide margin um, at $22 million per year. So with Ramsey, he's got a ton of leverage. Also, I think his leverage increased from the Rams clearing out players 
in anticipation of his contract eventually coming on the books because you don't trade two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick not to get a deal done long-term at some point. They cut Todd um, Gurley, even though he hadn't played any of the New Year's on his extension he signed two years ago, and traded Brandon Cooks. Ramsey, to me, is an agent's dream from this one respect. He said in an interview, with, uh, um, Zoom interview, I think, with the media uh, this week, that he didn't want his agent to tell him about the contract until it was done. So he's not going to be involved in the process or micromanaging the process. So the agent has wide latitude to do whatever he wants in this situation. So knowing the leverage that he has, this is going to be a very strong deal. And this is a cornerback market that has remained fairly stagnant um, over years. Uh, you had some movement this year. The highest paid corner going into free agency was Avian Howard at $15.05 million per year. Byron Jones signed a five-year deal averaging $16.5 million per year, which also had $46 million fully guaranteed its signing, most for a cornerback, and $54.375 million in overall guarantees, also most in a cornerback deal. Then, a couple days later, uh, Darius Slay uh, was traded uh, from the Lions to the Eagles and signed a three-year extension averaging just under $16.7 million per year. So there was some movement this year, but still, the market's been really stagnant. In 2014, you had two corners sign at $14 million per year. You had Richard Sherman sign a deal first at 14, and then Patrick Peterson topped him at $14.01 million per year. So the market really hasn't moved all that much since 2014. Uh, so you're, you're, I'm expecting that Jalen Ramsey's going to shatter all contract metrics. He's supposed to make um, $13.073 million on his fifth-year option. So one way the agent may look at it is, okay, if we don't get a deal done and he plays out the option, you, if you're going to franchise him, it's going to be $16.44 million. And if you do it again, we're talking... $19.73 million. Now, if you franchise him twice, that's basically $36.175 million. That means you're probably going to have to have $18 million per year is the floor um, to get a deal done because he could do nothing and get $18 million per year going year to year and then be free. And that's not what you want to see happen. Um, one thing I would do if I'm the agent... I'm going to be looking at how the cornerback market stacks up versus cap inflation. And if you if you look at what is the highest paid adjusted cornerback in the league, that would be Patrick Peterson's deal um, back in 2004 from 2014 that I was talking about that averaged um, uh, a little over 14 million per year. Now the cap is 198.2 million. Cap's gone up basically 49% uh, since that time. So if you adjust that deal for how much the cap has gone up, then we're talking that Patrick Peterson's deal really averages basic a little over 20 point, a little under 20.9 million per year. So I'd be looking at that as the real benchmark for an average yearly salary. And to, for, to further support that, I might kind of look at what the relationship has been between the highest paid 
cornerback and highest paid defensive player over whatever period of years made sense uh, for me. Uh, we've seen that just this offseason, there have been two jumps in what the highest paid defensive player makes. Uh, it's gone from Khalil Mack at $23.5 million to Miles Garrett to $25 to um, now Joey Bosa $27 million per year. If you've got a $27 million per year highest paid defensive player, then $20 million isn't all, shouldn't be all that outlandish, or I would advocate that I should at least be at $20 million per year for a cornerback. Now, if you kind of look at it over time, the spread between the two, highest paid defensive player, highest paid cornerback, has grown because the cornerback market kind of stagnated. In 2011, when the previous CBA was executed, the, uh, the highest paid defensive player, the highest paid cornerback made 80% of what the highest paid um, defensive player made. And over time, it's gone down through the 70s to now, it's currently 61%. Highest paid corner, sixth average salary, 61% of Joey Bosa's. Last year in, and in 2018, it was basically 64%. If you look at it over this whole time period, you're basically at 76%. Uh, the highest paid cornerback has made 76% of what the highest paid uh, defensive players made. So I would try to sell to the Rams as well. There's another another way to look at it to justify that the $20 million per year range is right. Is that if you took what the average relationship between those two entities are, it, then that yields basically 26 point. million per year would be the average. So hopefully that would get that I would use that as ammunition to try to get to 20 million per year because 20 million per year would kind of be my drop dead point if I'm the agent. I'd want I'd want to make Jalen Ramsey the first 20 million dollar per year cornerback in the league. If we didn't do that, I'd have a hard time closing the deal unless it was extremely player friendly. Now I'm expecting that any deal that Jalen Ramsey signs. He's going to replace Byron Jones with the most fully guaranteed at signing and the most overall guarantees. Maybe he gets the 50 fully guaranteed at signing, guarantees 60 million overall guarantees. And I fully expect that this is going to be a deal where the Rams are going to pick up some cap room um, from doing the deal. Because cap numbers 13.073 million on the fifth year option. Uh, to remain neutral, theoretically, you could sign Ramsey to a deal, have the same cap number. If you did a four-year extension, so you prorate the signing bonus over five years, you could drop his base salary to $903,000 and have a $51.2 million signing bonus remain even. Now, do I think that's what happens? No. I don't think you stick all his guarantees in a signing bonus. Um, But I'd probably want as a minimum a $25 million signing bonus. On this deal, and if he did that, and he dropped his base salary to uh, nine hundred three thousand um, dollars, then his cap number is going to be five point nine zero three million. You're picking up seven point eight million in cap room this year. I wouldn't be surprised if the signing bonus is minimum twenty, twenty five, maybe. Uh, who knows? It could get to thirty if you if you did the same type of structure with $30 million signing bonus, you're picking up $6.8 million in cap room for this year. So I expect the Rams to pick up significant cap room if they get Jalen Ramsey deal done. Um, but 
Uh, this is one deal I expect to really move the market, uh, cornerback market that has been stagnant for years. The Rams handed Jalen Ramsey so much leverage. Moral of the story, uh, when you give up significant compensation for a player, get a deal done at the time of the trade, or you're handing him a hammer and you got any type of competent agent, unless the player says give the team a discount, cut them some break, he's going to make you pay through the nose, and I expect that to be uh, the case if and when Jalen Ramsey gets a contract done. Well, that's going to be it for this week. Um, thanks for listening. Um, don't forget, you can find me on Twitter. That's Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-L. And also at CBSSports.com, my regular column and agent's take. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.